A hero is integrity, humanity, and compassion in action. The hero frequency is the thread of those qualities binding us all. I'm Yasmin Joy, an empathic survivor of loss, grief, and more. And every week, I'll be sharing tips and tales that brought me to my mission of identifying and amplifying the hero frequency. Let's tune in and turn it up. Welcome back. I'm feeling so much better. It's been over a month since I got hit by COVID. And at this point, I'm pretty much back to normal. Although I do feel a little bit of an itch or a rice crispiness um, when I breathe sometimes, especially when I'm lying down um, in my lungs. And that doesn't happen all the time, but I do notice it's something very, very minute is still there, but hopefully it'll be completely clear in another month or so. So thankfully, this strain of COVID seems to be a lot less severe than previous strains, but unlike COVID, there's something that has not gotten easier over the course of time, parenting. Now, this is not an episode about giving you parenting advice, but more so about parenting survival perspectives, especially for the parent that is or was partnered up with someone who came from a family background that exposed them to or even normalized abuse of any kind. Now, I'm not talking about imperfect parenting because, my friend, that is the only parenting that exists. But let's just imagine this for a second, that there is a perfect parent. Let's even back up that perfect parent with a lineage strong with people who had great characteristics, wonderful relationships, no trauma imposed upon them. Now, all this is backing up this perfect parent, who also, by the way, planned their life so that the baby arrives in perfect timing. Now, the chances of such a person existing are extremely low. I'm guessing 0.000000, as many zeros as there have ever been people existing on this earth, and then the number one. Because for this to happen, their entire lineage had to have existed in some kind of utopia sealed away from the rest of humanity's crazy shenanigans. But you don't have to worry about that because... For this exercise, I'm giving them to you, and they are here. And I'm saying they because it could be a he, she, or other, but I mean singular. So now, perfect parent is here, ready to unfold a perfect childhood experience for their kid or kids. Enter Monkey Wrench 1. Parent B. Now, this parent didn't have a lineage from Utopia, but they did have pretty solid earthling parents, who gave them a pretty good childhood. So they have both an idea and desire to be a really good parent. Enter Monkey Wrench 2. Unexpected because they were inherited and not provoked, difficult or undesirable character traits. In this hypothetical, Parent B had a great-great-great-grandfather, which not many people spoke about, who was abusive and manipulative and passed down some of those difficult characteristic and experiential DNA all the way down the line until it popped up in one of the perfect couple's kids. Now let's just say these perfect parents who obviously would have gotten help didn't have any type of issues that affected their job or ability to make money and they were able to access and offer the top therapists, medical doctors, and whatever else might be needed. So the child will have all the resources that money can buy, but the child will also have all of the resources that good parenting can offer. 
Enter monkey wrenches three, four, five. Social and media influences, friendships and other relationships, and their own unique perspectives on life outside of utopia. So the chances for this child's success, with all factors being unrealistically optimal, are pretty high, but there's still no guarantee. So unless you came from the upside of a parallel universe or are otherwise an alien of some sort, you can expect to have moments of real struggle as a parent, lots of moments of uncertainty, and maybe even some moments of heartbreak. So even in the best of circumstances, none of us come from a utopian lineage. There's a very slim chance that we have or are a perfect partner or perfect partner parent, We currently have no way of knowing every single inheritable characteristic in our lineage, and even less so, the ability to identify, isolate, and eliminate them. And even if all those things were possible, we simply cannot control all people and situations that may cross our children's paths and make a lasting impression. We don't even have 100% control over this for ourselves and our own lives as parents. But guess what? We don't have to. Unless you want your kids to have an extraordinarily critical view of themselves and of others. Now this doesn't mean that you're off the hook for trying your absolute best, but your absolute best is going to look different at different stages in life and with a different combination of influential factors. I mean, if you think about it, it's pretty obvious. You are not going to be the same person at 20 versus 30 versus 40 with the same capabilities, knowledge, experience, insights, not even with the same resources at those different times in your life. They say timing is everything and it's almost true. Sometimes you really do need a little luck. Take me for example. I was a really young mom, not high schooler or teen mom, but an undergrader. That would be, if you follow the traditional route of going straight from high school to college, between the ages of 18 to 22. The frontal lobe of our brain that controls impulse control and making rational decisions is not fully mature until we're 25, which means having a baby before then could present you with a lot of extra challenges that could be avoided. Now, obviously, there are couples who marry young and have children young and stay together into their old age and have a wonderful, sweet, inspirational love story. And that's the dream we all chase, not unlike the dream of winning the lottery with similar odds. Now, I know this episode is supposed to be about parenting and not relationships, but the quality of the parent's relationship is a huge influential component. And each parent's individual backgrounds feeds into their individual values, belief systems, and personalities, which they eventually bring to the changing table. So if I were to give you one piece of advice, it would be to find not only the right partner, but the right parenting partner. Of course, this is assuming that you've applied this to yourself as well. This doesn't mean that you have to know all the answers or that you can never make any mistakes. But you should both be committed to evolving as individuals, as a couple, and of course as parents. I know I'm listing these off as just a few steps when there's a mountain of things to do for each one. But one way to help you be a good parent, and really a good anything, is the pre-game. The majority of that is an inside job. If you speak to any serious athlete, particularly if they seem physically talented, you will likely find that they are tapped into this committed mindset. 
Now, this is not just an intention or desire, but an embodiment of that intention and desire. You do the prep work, you show up, you're present, and you're committed to repeating with progress in mind. So you're not going in circles, but in a spiral upwards. If you want to have kids, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is for you to find a good parenting partner. I would have to say it is even more important than finding the perfect partner for yourself. Here's why. You and or your partner can evolve into very different people from where you first started when you were quote-unquote perfect together. I'm not talking about having ups and downs throughout the relationship or even having something major happen that could and might should be a deal breaker. Note, I'm not talking abuse here. That will always be a get the fork out card from me for everyone. But let's say you both evolved into being very different people and hopefully respectfully decide to go in separate directions. If you're both dedicated to being a good parent, the transition may still be a bit bumpy because that's often the nature of relationships and transitions. But your kids will very likely be all right. A good high-profile example of this is Jason Momoa and Lisa Bonet. Now, we obviously don't know all the ins and outs of their relationship, but they seem to have a really grounded, respectful one. And for our topic of discussion, they seem to genuinely have a loving, connected, and committed parenting style, all which will transfer well in light of their recent split. Now, another good high-profile couple example is Glennon Doyle and her ex-husband, Craig Milton. If you're not familiar with Glennon Doyle, I highly recommend you look her up. She's in the ranks and super good friends with the likes of Brene Brown, Liz Gilbert, Martha Beck, and other brilliant, witty, activist-minded thought leaders. So Glennon and Craig get divorced because of Craig's past infidelity. Although the tail end of their marriage and the transition was likely a lot messier than those for Jason and Lisa, And I'm just assuming this because betrayals tend to do that in relationships. Despite all that, Glennon and Craig seemed really committed to being good parents, which means nobody was nasty or abusive, nor did they manipulate the system or the kids, not during the marriage, not during the transition, and not after they'd moved on. And when I say moved on, I mean had relationships with other people. Their commitment to good parenting led them to create a new kind of family structure, one where love, respect, and inclusivity were mutually expressed in public and, we can probably assume, in private. In essence, their commitment to being good parents was rooted in their commitment to being good adults, and that meant a commitment to being a good human. Unfortunately, their case is an extraordinary exception to the norm. Most people, including myself at the time that I had my kids, don't get how crucial this decision is. If we did, we probably wouldn't entertain spending time and energy with someone who raised any flags in the humanity department. If they pass that first level, no flags in the humanity issues, then the next level would be their commitment to evolving as a person and being as good a human being as they can. Now, those two requirements are just the very minimal basics, and I mean for association within your intimate circles. Now, since you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming that you are on the frequency, so I really want to emphasize that point to you. I know you want to be loving, open, giving, and all that good stuff, and you can, 
But you have to be really selective about the people that you allow in your intimate circle. And this is independent from whether or not you want to have kids. Now, if you're looking for a parenting partner, that commitment has to extend into actively and consistently trying to grow and evolve in relationships. We're talking communication skills, boundaries, connection, prioritization, and presence. I was just talking about this with my bestie. We were both pretty young when we got into our first serious relationship, and we had kids young as well. From both of our experiences and our observations of other people, we came to the conclusion that the youngest age to consider marrying someone should be 25, because at least by then, that part of your brain that's involved in risk-taking, decision-making, will finally finish baking. And that will give you a better chance to know who you are, where you want to go, if this is the right person for you, if this is the right person for your potential future children. And it may even buy you some time to figure out if you even want to have children or want to get married. Obviously, nothing's a guarantee, but we just want to give it better odds. So if you think you want to have kids one day and you don't have them yet, you still have time and the opportunity to get all the prep work laid down so that you can avoid unnecessary hurdles. However, if you are like me and my bestie and countless other people in the world, for as far back as babies were being made, parents were making mistakes, and teenagers were getting mad at them for it, I want you to know that I see you, I see your struggle, and the struggle is very real. You're not imagining it, and you're not a bad parent, even if you've made some bad choices personally or some poor parenting choices. Again, I'm not talking about any type of abuse towards your child or behavior that puts them in physical danger or intentionally forking with their psyche, which is basically abuse. So let's say you had kids with someone who is not parenting material. In its simplest form, let's say this person is no longer in the picture. Then your struggles will be that of a single parent. And we all know what that looks like. It's already hard with two parents, even harder with one. Now that's the easier of the not parent material type to deal with. And it still leaves you with life consequences that are not easy. But that type would be overwhelmingly preferable over this next not parenting material type. This non parenting material type is also non relationship material type. This type of person has not done work on themselves at all. That is, they're not interested in bettering themselves for the good of others, though they may do things to make themselves look good, but deep at the core is a need to have control and a sense of power. Now, this type of person may not be relationship material, but ironically, they desperately need other people because they can't be a ruler of one, and that's their thing. Ruling, controlling, essentially owning another human. Not supporting, not caring about, not partnering with. I know this sounds terrible, and it is. And unfortunately, it's actually very, very common. Now, this can happen to anyone, but I'm going to speak about it in terms of what is more common when it happens. And that is, this type of personality is often found in men. Now, this is not to blame all men because... There are absolutely many wonderful men. My father, my brother, my son, and all the male friends and associations I have in my life now are mwah, the best. But let me tell you, it didn't start out this way, and it has been a really, really hard road because of it. 
Right now, I have at least five female friends who have recently had to deal with this type of person or are currently dealing with this type of person, and they've been going through a lot. None of it right, fair, or even necessary. But that's what happens when you get entangled with a person who needs to have that kind of control, who's in it for themselves, will put up whatever front to rope you in, and will tie you and entangle you in any configuration they feel is beneficial for them. And if you have kids with them, they will anaconda you. To make matters worse, our judicial and social services systems are so poorly equipped and inept at providing support, or even protection for the women and children who are victims of such a type of person. In fact, there is more protection for these domestic perpetrators because it's built in under the umbrella of parental rights, which is why I can't emphasize enough how important it is for you to find the right person for this kind of partnership. Now, if you didn't already know all this or find this podcast episode in time and you already have kids with this type of not relationship material, not parenting material person, I want to say that I'm really sorry for what you're going through because I understand that it's not only about how they're treating you, but how dangerous they can be to your children, if not physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically. And they're doing it at the very best because they're irresponsible, but more so because they're also in some form disconnected from their own humanity. If you have never had experience with this type of person and you either have kids or hope to have kids one day, I want you to imagine what that feels like for your child or children to be forever linked with someone who has both the capacity and access to cause them physical harm and or psychological and emotional trauma. If this is you and you're going through this, get as much support for both you and the kids as possible. Mental, emotional, physical, legal. Stay as close to your kids as you can. Love them up. Make them feel as secure as possible under the circumstances. And depending on how old they are, making sure that you're not talking them out of their senses or their intuition. They know and they see what's going on. Even if you're dealing with someone who is really manipulative and they impose their toxic manipulation upon their own children, and why wouldn't they? Because they're detached from some part of their humanity as it is. Even if your kids get fooled for a minute or longer, if you've taught them and continue to teach them to honor their intuition, they will eventually come around. All the harm that this other person, I won't even give them the honor of being called a parent, will backfire with interest. It's also important that you surround them with people who are well-adjusted and positive and kind, who love and celebrate them with you, no strings attached. This provides support and the foundation to fortify who they are and who they want to be associated with. Now, this becomes really complicated and drawn out if the non-parent material parent continues to have full access to the kids and if the in-laws from where these toxic behaviors came remain connected to the kids it's inevitable that these attitudes that are dysfunctional and harmful are going to be at the very least normalized in the kids minds what does this mean this means that your once sweet happy-go-lucky kids 
can buck up against you down the line, even though you're the one who supported them, tried to give them structure and protect them and love them, even tried to bridge the relationship for them with the parent that should not have been. I'm not telling you this to scare you, nor to say that you should just give up trying so hard because you got to keep doing the right thing the best that you can and get help when you need it. But if this is something you're going through right now, and especially if your kids are older and your kids have decided to about face despite everything you've done for them and despite everything the other guy has done to them as well as you, give yourself a huge break, literally and figuratively. Raising children is complicated. Growing up is complicated. Transitions are complicated. All relationships are complicated. Throw in a complicating person who has no regard to other people's feelings or well-being, and you're all going to feel it, and you may not all be able to process it in a way that's logical and fair. If your kids are still young, just keep showing up, do the best you can, and take care of yourself. Get some help, get support, do whatever you need to get through as you're helping your kids get through. If your kids are older, especially if they're adults already, you're done. You'll always love them and you've given them as many tools as you can, but it's up to them to use them accordingly. And just as they have to figure out relationships and boundaries with the right or wrong people, if they're not going to take your advice, they'll have to figure this out with the estranged parent that they may have very, very complicated feelings for. If they're not quite adults yet and they're treating you in a way that is breaking your heart, Just remember that they're likely dealing with the combination of pain, anxiety, insecurity, an unsettled morphing brain, and wildly fluctuating hormones on top of all the external stuff. Even in the best of families, there can be big struggles. The teenage years are no joke for anyone, at least not at the time they're happening. Your child's entire being is morphing into an adult, and it's doing it in bubbling bursts, not nice and steadily and evenly. And the whole time, they're feeling it. In fact, everything is heightened. Their thoughts, their emotions, their physical bodies, everything's surging. But the container for those thoughts and emotions is not fully shaped and solidified. And the circuitry to process and channel them is not fully formed and organized yet. We're talking nuclear energy in a flesh suit that's not even fresh off the press because it's still in the press. That can't be comfortable. I want you to remember that when things aren't working out as you planned, hoped, and dreamed for and with your child, they are, first and foremost, a human being. Making mistakes is part of the package, and love is their birthright. But also remember that love is also your birthright, so be sure to take care of and have compassion for yourself as well. One day, after the morphing has quieted down and they've crossed to this side of the bridge, your kids may come to realize that you too were a human being. Regardless of if or when that day comes, being the good parent that you are, be sure to model that by embodying it for yourself first. Thanks for listening. See you next time. If you've enjoyed this episode or found any of the tips useful, please pay it forward by sharing with at least one person. Every day is an opportunity to exercise your integrity, humanity, and compassion, including for yourself. May you go with the company of good, the endurance of love, the beauty of wonder, and the dignity of kindness. Thanks for tuning into The Hero Frequency.